We are back. Let's talk about science for uh, segment number three, a bunch of stuff that we need to catch up on. We would refer you to saturn.jpl.nasa.gov or just go on to see if you can't Google the movie that NASA recently put out from the Cassini mission out at Saturn. They turned the spacecraft around and happened to catch a maybe twice every thousand year lineup of the planet and the Earth where the Earth goes in front of the sun. You can actually see, literally, the distance from the Earth to the moon superimposed on the surface of the sun. You know, it's really something. You also can see the true size of the objects in the solar system. The Earth is 10% larger than, uh, than, it would, than the true diameter versus the sun, but nevertheless, it's this teeny little dot, much smaller than the group of sunspots clustered on the surface. Again, Really something. you got to check this out. We've been talking to people at Jet Propulsion Laboratory intermittently about the Cassini mission. We hope to get them on again soon. Part of this was uh, a, a simulation using the data from the Huygens probe as it landed on Titan. You actually get to see the topography of Titan. Um, when, the, when the spacecraft made another recent pass by the largest moon of Saturn, a moon which is larger than the planet Mercury, the radar was able to peer down through the smog, which obscures the surface, to reveal, on the surface of the planet, sand dunes. The Economist magazine noted that in his novel Dune, Frank Herbert imagined a planet covered largely by sand dunes, and noted that, as so often it is with art, uh, nature seems to have gotten there first. The picture that was published in Science showed a field, ripples of sand dunes more than 100 meters high. They note they're similar in form, size, and cause, i.e. the blowing of wind, to those found in the Namib Desert on Earth. They're differing in one crucial aspect, though. They're not made of sand. Uh, or at least the, the sand, the particles they're made of, is not silica. It's either ice or carbon compounds. Uh, every time we send a robot space probe out to one of these... Um, these worlds in our solar system, they seem to be full of surprises and uh, none more so than Titan. This is exciting stuff. Uh, st stay tuned as we, uh, we update the news from Saturn. Now, one reason we urge all of you, dear listeners, is to go to the foreign press is that the kind of stuff you read in America is just oftentimes uh, sort of uh, PC, politically correct. For example... Let me quote from scientificamerican.com how they summarize this issue about medical marijuana. Quote, Yesterday, the FDA issued a statement reaffirming its opposition to the medical use of marijuana, declaring that, quote, no sound scientific studies supported the medical use of marijuana for treatment in the United States, and no animal or human data supported the safety or efficacy of marijuana for general medical use. There are alternative FDA-approved medications in existence for treatment of many of the proposed uses of smoked marijuana. The magazine noted this despite the existence of a 1999 report by the Institute of Medicine of the National Academy of Sciences, which concluded that marijuana was moderately well-suited for particular conditions, such as chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting and AIDS wasting. So in our opinion, the FDA was extremely polite in pointing out that the FDA statement was pretty much BS. We much prefer the way the British handle this. Here's what The Economist had to say about the same item. 
If cannabis were unknown and bioprospectors were suddenly to find it in some remote mountain crevice, its discovery would no doubt be hailed as a medical breakthrough. Scientists would praise its potential for treating everything from pain to cancer and marvel at its rich pharmacopoeia, many of whose chemicals mimic vital molecules in the human body. In reality, cannabis has been with humanity for thousands of years and is considered by many governments, notably America's, to be a dangerous drug without utility. Any suggestion that the plant might be medically useful is politically controversial, whatever the science says. It's in this context that on April 20th, America's Food and Drug Administration issued a statement saying that smoked marijuana has no acceptable medical use in treatment in the United States. The statement is curious in a number of ways. For one thing, it overlooks a report made in 1999 by the Institute of Medicine, part of the National Academy of Sciences, which came to a different conclusion. Skipping ahead, another reason the FDA statement is odd is that it seems to lack common sense. Cannabis has been used as a medicinal plant for millennia. Skipping ahead again, today, cannabis is used all over the world despite its illegality to relieve pain and anxiety, to aid sleep, and to prevent seizures and muscle spasms. Anyway, I won't go on, but it is sad how politics gets in the way of good science and good medicine in this country. And of course, all of you allergy sufferers out there should realize that even though you may want to go get some Sudafed, a drug that's been shown to be effective and used by millions, if not billions, I'm sure billions of uses over the past decades. To get it now, you'll find that your local pharmacist is going to require you to show ID. This is because, yes, it is possible to take pseudoephedrine and ephedrine and make crank. And because of that, uh, that possibility, you, the person who has a cold, the person who has allergies, is now going to suffer. I talked to a pharmacist we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks back. He told me that he had 122 products pulled off the shelf, put behind the counter, which you now can only get during the hours of operation of the pharmacy when a pharmacist is present. Yes, the old, you know, cold and flu medicine with a little bit of pseudoephed or let alone the little red tablets. Well, hard to get thanks to uh, the hardworking folks in the federal government. You have to ask the question of how many people do you think are running crank labs who are going out to Rite Aids and purchasing little red capsules of 30 milligrams of pseudoephedrine with which to convert into methamphetamine. We are going to look into this a little more thoroughly for a a more uh, in-depth analysis, but I can tell you this. You can't take a thimble full of milk and manufacture enough cheese to sell on the market at a profit. You need a lot of raw material in order to transfer it into something else to be commercially saleable. It just it just makes no sense. But we'll again we'll refer that to a further uh, a more lengthy discussion on another day. Speaking of drugs, according to Wired magazine, drug companies have outsourced about half of all clinical drug trials to India, China and Brazil, where it's easier and cheaper to find people willing to take unproven drugs for free. And in some bad news for people with sleep disorders, the highly uh, promoted drug Ambien uh, is now being cited as a possible source of -of middle-of-the-night eating binges, according to the New York Times. According to a study by Dr. Mark 
Mahawald of the Minnesota Regional Sleep Disorders Center. Uh, People on Ambien have been found that they get up in the morning with no memory of leaving their bed at night, only to find telltale signs of frantic refrigerator raids. They will find candy wrappers littering their beds, pots and pans all over the kitchen, and even lit stovetops. According to the researcher, these people are hell-bent to eat. Often, the bingers don't suspect what's happening until they gain a lot of weight or until a family member catches them in the act. I have to admit, I'm somewhat skeptical of of some of these reports, but according to the article, one Ambien user, Helen Carey, said her husband followed her to the kitchen and found her devouring a package of hamburger buns. I just tore it open like a grizzly bear and stood there and ate the whole package, she said. He said a couple of things to me, and then I realized I was asleep. We should note that uh, finding something to help you sleep is a serious problem. It's estimated by people in the know that most Americans get about 90 minutes less sleep per night than they need. This impairs their reaction time, their memory, and their cognitive facilities. There are some very curious new drugs on the horizon, which unfortunately we have no time to go into today, so that too we put off for another program. So I guess we'll close maybe with this item. Um, A letter to the editor, New Scientist. It was from Steve Graham from Cravion County, UK wrote the magazine and said, I noticed that the publication date of the issue of New Scientist I was reading was April 1, so I looked for the inevitable spoof article. It was the one about Microsoft keeping our online transactions safe, right? We will see you next week. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. On next week's show, we're going to hopefully speak with Bart Ehrman, whose book Peter, Paul, and Mary Magdalene tells the real story of what we know about the followers of Jesus in the Bible, a uh, far cry from the Da Vinci Code, which is opening in theaters nationwide next week. That should prove to be a very timely discussion. This has been Radio Parallax. Stay tuned now for Todd and the regular musical programming to resume.